0: Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we're going to begin a new series, and uh, I always enjoy starting a new series Uh, believe it or not during this time that we've been quarantined um, uh, we've already gone through two uh, long series Uh, peace and the panic was the first one that was about 11 weeks and then we went through uh, the last call which is on the end times and that lasted almost 11 weeks also and uh, so we've traveled quite a bit during this time but now we're entering into a new four week series this will last four weeks and um it's called Go and you'll see why in a moment but I want to begin um, uh, by asking a question because I think it's an important question for all of us who are followers of Christ because this series really is something to hopefully uh, reignite us or reawaken us to the primary purpose of our of our being as followers of Christ, there are multiple purposes but I think this is the primary and here's the question What if, and, and I mean what if, what if the Bible, what if God asked you to do something that you just don't want to do? What if he did that? Now, we know that happens a lot, don't we? And if we think back to our childhood, I, I mean, we, we know at least 157 times in our childhood our parents told us to do something and uh, we, we really didn't want to do that. And when we were really young, some of us probably were great tantrum throwers. And we could really raise a stink. And uh, we were probably experts in a restaurant or a supermarket to really embarrass our parents when they told us, no, you can't have that or stop that. And we just go berserko. But in the end, if uh, you had parents like mine, and uh, that was a different day and age when they did spank, they didn't beat me, so don't think that. But they did spank, they put a sting, you know, they put the, um, <clears throat> the Board of Education to the seat of knowledge and they straightened me out and thank God they did. But uh, we knew that if we didn't do the right thing or what they told us, you know, there could be consequences and there were. But then you notice as you got older, you started to realize that uh, they weren't asking you to do anything crazy. In fact, it was probably smarter and wiser to do what they said rather than, you know, suffer these kinds of consequences. But have you ever noticed, because I notice this about myself, it's really easy. It's really easy to uh, justify sidestepping whatever God is telling me to do. Whatever the Bible is telling me to do. It's, I'm, I'm a, I can sidestep it easy. I'm I, You know, the more scriptures I know, the easier it is to... <laughs> to to weasel around the scriptures because I know too many and try to get around it, but I want to go back to the question What if? What if God asked you to do something? What if the Bible asked you to do something that you just didn't want to do? Well, I want you to hold that thought because in our series GO, this is a GO series 2020, we did one last year in 2019, Different verses, different angles, same idea. And I think I want to do one every year around this time because this all revolves around uh, what I think is primary, and that is sharing our faith with others. Maybe it's something that you haven't done in a long time. Maybe it's something you're just afraid to do. And maybe you just feel like "I I wouldn't even know what to say or what if they asked me a question. And those are all legitimate statements but before we get into all that in Jonah's life let's read our key verse for the series it's a great verse written by a guy named Paul and as I like to tell you every time Paul scholar was he hated Christians his job was to hunt them down and murder them and then this scholar of a man he's brilliant has an encounter with the risen, resurrected Jesus Christ. And it changed him forever. And he becomes a follower of Christ and he's the one who plants the New Testament churches and he's the one that writes most of the New Testament. And he writes these verses because one of his passions is to reach lost people. So passionate is he about it that in the same book we're gonna read from, he will make a statement that blows me away He says, I wish that I could be accursed for the sake of my countrymen. He's talking about, he wishes that he could take their place, in fact, anybody's place in hell. Let me be accursed just so they could be saved. Now, I don't know if I could say that or even desire that, but he did. Now, watch what he writes. This is our key verse. If you're at home, please read it out loud there. It says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? Now notice sequentially how smart and how wise of a writer he is. I love the way he sets it up. He says, how can anybody call on Jesus because they don't even believe in him? They don't even really know him because they don't believe. But how do they get believed? Well, because they don't, they don't believe because they have not heard. And they have not heard Because no one has spoken to them about Jesus. So it begins by sharing the gospel. They hear it. They believe it. And now they begin to call on him. What a great sequence. It's a great little four-point message in there if you ever want to preach it. So what is he really saying to you and I? It's our tagline for the series, and that's this. If we don't go, how will they know? I want you to say it out loud now with me. One, two, three. If we don't go how will they know and that's what that verse is saying I just summed it up so what I'm gonna to do today is we're gonna I'm gonna give you an introduction to the to chapter 1 I'm gonna give you three points we're gonna cover about 10 verses total today and uh, hopefully it will make sense and challenge you because every biblical message should be a challenge to our life because uh, I don't think any of us wants to stay the way we are we always want to progress and grow now In chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Now, this is Jonah's burning bush experience. And as a follower of Christ, you're going to have burning bush experiences with God that's going to change the direction of you forever. And I think it happens multiple times. Verse 2. Arise, here's what God is telling him, and I believe it's an impression in his mind. Arise and go to Nineveh. The great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, think of what he's telling this Jonah guy. Jonah's an Israelite in Israel. I want you to go to a place called Nineveh. Now, he knows Nineveh. He's heard of it. It's a massive city. Uh, I want you to go there because they're so wicked, they're so evil, that their wickedness and their evil... Has risen up before me I mean they have totally on a wicked evil side caught the attention of God that's not a good thing but Jonah I want you to go there and I want you to cry speak preach against their ways now I think most people know that Jonah says no (laughs) not gonna go there I'm not gonna do that so back to the question What if God asked you, told you, what if the Bible said to do something you just don't want to do? Because that's Jonah's dilemma and I think his problem is similar to my problem and to your problem. Let me tell you what I think, what I mean by that. Like Jonah, Jonah believes God exists. That's not Jonah's problem. Jonah's problem is Can I trust God? It's almost like he's saying, God, you're wrong on this one. See, he believes there's God. He believes in Yahweh. But can I trust God? Can God be trusted? Can he be trusted? We all know what that feels like, don't we? And that keeps us from operating in that will of God when God asks us to do something. But let me tell you something that you may not know. See, Jonah doesn't want to go also Because Jonah has a moral complaint about these Ninevites and about God wanting them to repent and stuff like that. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me explain to you something. These Ninevites, (laughs) they're some of the meanest, wickedest hombres ever. They are, the city's Nineveh, but the people are Assyrian. Not Syrian, but Assyrian. And they're mean. These people, just let me explain to you. They have invaded Israel. Jonah knows that. Maybe Jonah's known people that were deported by them or killed by them, taken away. These guys would rip the skin off people. Oh, yeah. They would take men's tongues and rip them out of their mouth while they're alive. Oh, yeah. You know what they do to intimidate people? That wasn't enough. No, there's even more. I'm just giving you a few things. After they kill people, they would take their skulls, their their heads, And they'd stack them up at the front entrance of little cities and places. You know why they do that? For intimidation. To put fear into people that you better not mess with us. Because this is what's going to happen to you. These guys are ruthless, vile, evil. They're everything. And let me tell you what I know because reading the whole book. Jonah hates them. Can't stand them. And maybe hate's too big of a word for you right now. Let's just say he dislikes it, but I like the word hate because he really does. And therefore, I think in his mind why he's not going to do what God says because can I really trust you, God, if I go there? I mean, they're going to skin me alive. And while I'm preaching, they'll just rip my tongue out because they don't want to hear what I have to say. And maybe just bigger than that or equal with that is this. Why would I ever want to share good news uh, and see people that I'd like annihilated, saved. I dislike them. I would like them wiped out of the face of the planet. I think we can all relate to those two items a little bit or a lot a bit. Can I trust God if I step out and share? God will you really put the words in my mouth? Or will I look like a fool? Will I stumble over my words? Will people get angry at me? But the other side, other dilemmas is just as big. He doesn't like them. Do you and I have problem with certain people to be saved? Are there people that we know we like? I don't like that person. I really don't want them in heaven. <laughs> Can you imagine if that came out of our mouth? But I imagine that there are people we dislike that, you know, we, I, I'm not, not going to go talk to them. There's no way, I don't even like that person. See, I think one of the big questions that we have to wrestle with in this, in this little letter of Jonah is, w- with him and us, do we really want the enemies of God to experience forgiveness? Do we really want people that seem to reject God, do we really want them to experience forgiveness? Do we really w- even want them to even see God in us? You know, those are, those are legitimate questions. See, Jonah, I think one of the, one of the problems on, the, on a side note here, um, he wants to hold on to his anger. I think there's a lot of people want to hold on to their anger. And I think there's a lot of people who are angry, including Christians. And because he's so angry with these people and he dislikes them, and I'll use the word hate, he hates them, he would rather see them pay for what they've done than to receive forgiveness. Can you imagine? This is God's messenger. And so we're going to study this guy's life. But I wanted to give you kind of a working understanding of what's churning inside him when God says, you know those Ninevites that you really can't stand? I want you to go preach to them and save them. What? See, what if God asked you to do something that you just didn't want to do? So I'm going to give you three points today. The first two Uh, I like a lot. The third one is the big, strong push in our life. But the first two are really going to make us think a little little bit here and there. Number one uh, this morning is this. What hinders me from sharing the gospel? Fear or hate? Oh, Jim, not me. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's examine it before you jump and say, oh, not me, not me. Because it's so easy to say, not me, not me. Look at verse 2 and 3, and it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. And cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. Here's what Jonah does. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. (laughs) Wait a minute here. You're going to flee from the presence of the Lord. Where is God's presence? It's everywhere. How in the world can you flee from the presence of God? You cannot. And Jonah will find this out even in the depths of the Mediterranean Sea. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to get on that boat, and we're going to go on that Mediterranean, and I'm going to flee from the presence of God because this boat can outrun God. How ridiculous is that? You cannot outrun the presence of God in your life. No matter where you go, he's there. Now, here's what's going on. Jonah is in complete disagreement with God. So instead of going, he's going to start running. And I think it's a mixture of what I said earlier, a mixture of fear and hate or fear and dislike, whatever you want to call it. So let me examine those two things because I think I can relate to them and I think maybe you can too. Fear. I already told you how evil these people are. But let me expand out a little bit to give you an understanding of what it's like with these Ninevites and this massive city and their massive armies and everything else. Just imagine today if you took all the military power of the United States of America, and that's a lot, and you put it into the hands of a terrorist group. Can you imagine what this world would be like? Can you imagine the fear that you would be running in? Well, that's exactly what Jonah is facing here. Now, I want to take that and give you a wider angle of what he might be afraid of. They've already invaded Israel. He's hoping God will wipe them out. He doesn't want them to repent. So maybe if I don't go there, this massive terrorist, military, might type, empire power will be wiped out and therefore they can never come back and invade my nation again. But if I go there and they're saved, what if they turn one day and they come back to Israel and come back and do it again? No, God, besides being afraid of them because of the way they are, I'm afraid that they're going to come back and mess with my nation again and do things to my friends and family and everything else. He's afraid. Question. And and it's for myself too. Does fear, or meaning lack of trust in God, hold you back from sharing the gospel? I mean, come on, think about it because it's a legitimate question. Am I afraid of what people think? Am I afraid they won't like me? Am I afraid they might keep me out of their group? Am I afraid I won't say the right things? Am I afraid they're gonna ask me a question I really don't have the answer to? You could throw all kinds of fears in that list. Jonah's afraid. And one of the things that the enemy is so good at using in our emotions and our mind is fear. But there's the other one, and that's hate. That's something that Jonah's dealing with, and I use the word dislike, but I like hate better. But think about this. He really dislikes them for what they've done. He does not like these people, and he does not want them to repent. He wants them annihilated. He wants them out of mind, out of sight forever. It would be like this. Has God, or what if God told you, prompted you, strong thought, strong impression, doesn't go away, I want you to share the gospel with that person at work, at the gym, at home, whoever it is, but the one you dislike. You know, the person that you don't get along with at all. You don't like their attitude. You don't like what they've done. You don't like anything about them. Well, they just irritate you. What if God said, I want you to go shower them with my loving kindness and share my love uh, with them. I I want you to do that. Would you do it? Now, let me tell you. And don't say what I've heard Christians say here and there over the last 40 years. Well, you know, I'll do it. I, I, you know, I love them. I don't have to like them, though. <laughs> that is so non-Christian. That is so unbiblical. Because Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 13, look, if you, do, if you do all the right deeds, but you don't have love, you're just irrelevant and irritating. In other words, you need to have 100% love motivation behind the deeds you do. What if God asked you to go share your faith, share Jesus Christ, share the gospel with somebody that you're really not crazy about? I want you to think about, this. Just think about forgiveness. Think about, you know, as a follower of Christ, how you've been forgiven and I've been forgiven. Can you and I think of all of our sins? if we really thought about it? Yeah, I think so. We could remember about a lot of them. And yet all of those sins have been forgiven, have they not? And we're thankful for that, are we Not? I am. Well, well, wait a minute here. The big question is this. Aren't there people that you might know and I might know that need the forgiveness of God? Even if you don't seem to like them, you know they're out there. You know they need Jesus. Let me tell you. A little slogan I came up with. And that's this. If you hate one It's easy to hate anyone. Because whatever you sow, you reap. Hate breeds hate. If you hate one, it's easy to hate anyone. If you dislike one, it's easy to dislike anyone. Once you let that in the door, it takes root in you. And now it's easy to dislike all kinds of people. Don't do that. Now, the second point is this. If I run, the devil will provide transportation. It's a fact. He will do it. Now watch verse 3 again. But Jonah was up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship. Wow, he found one, which was going to Tarshish. That's interesting. Paid the fare and went down into it with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. There's a little loaded verse right there, isn't there? Now, first off, you need to understand where Jonah's going. Jonah goes down to Joppa, he pays the fare, gets on a ship, the ship's going to Tarshish, wow, what a coincidence, Tarshish, if Nineveh is that way, which it is, Nineveh uh, that way, east, Tarshish is to the west, Tarshish is like modern day Spain, and so Jonah's going to go in the opposite direction, now think of the time frame, how long ago, Tarshish, modern-day Spain. For Jonah in that time frame, that's like the other side of the world. That's where the wild blue yonder. That's where you'll never find me, and God can't find me there either. He's going the opposite direction. I am not going to do what God is asking me to do. But what a coincidence, he finds a ship that's just going in that direction. Let me tell you something. The devil will always provide a way out of God's will. He always will. He always provides that. Let me tell you a few things. I wasn't always a Christian. <laughs> I got I became a follower of Christ at 23. I didn't want to be one. I thought they were, it was gonna be boring. I thought <laughs> it's gonna take away all my fun. It's like here I go. I mean, if I become one of them, boy, it's really gonna be just like nothingsville. And I didn't want to be one. I didn't want to hear about Jesus. I was tired of hearing about Jesus. And then you know what? I gave my life to Christ. Now let me back up. Before I was a Christian, I did all the things some of you out there possibly do. Drank, smoked pot, did all those things. Guess what? I have a question. I smoked pot on and off from age 17 to age 23 when I got saved. When I got saved, I gave up all that stuff. What do I need it for anymore? I got peace in my heart now. How much money do you think I spent on pot for six years? (laughs) Zero. I never spent anything. It was always provided. Wherever I went, oh, you want this, you want that? I'd be places strangers would give it to me. Oh, yeah. The devil always provides a transportation. Let me tell you, somebody out there needs to hear this. You're married. Mister, listen, ma'am, listen, you're married. If you are thinking about cheating or anything, adultery... I guarantee you the devil is going to provide somebody at work, someplace, at the gym. You're going to meet them at the supermarket. He's going to provide a person. He'll always provide a way out. I mean, my gosh. Jesus in the desert, temptation, is going to go to the cross. Satan basically says, you don't need to do that. Why do that? Like, I got a way out. Just fall down and worship me, man. I'll give it all to you. I'll give you a way out. So Jonah is going to run. And the devil's going to give him a way out. He's going to head all the way out. You know what's interesting to me is this. Now think about it. Jonah, he believes um, all the right things the way you and I do. He believes all the right things the way you and I do. He believes in God. He believes the things about God. He believes all the right things. But he's doing nothing about it. That's kind of a tragic life, huh? To know and believe in Jesus Christ, you might come to church, amen, brother, the whole thing. Read the scriptures, oh yeah, but then you do nothing about it. That's what Jonah's all about. And because he goes off mission, and he goes against the will of God, there's something going to happen. Watch this. Watch verses 3 through 5. I've read 3, but let me read 3 through 5 now. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, so he went down to Joppa, found a ship, which was going to Tarshish. Paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4. Then, i mean, sorry, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. And there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid. (laughs) Really? And every man cried to his God. Now, if sailors are afraid, you know it's bad. And they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah, he'd gone below into the hold of the ship and lain down and had fallen asleep. Man. Did you notice in those three verses what Jonah did when he's running from God and running from what God wants him to do? He runs, he goes down to Joppa, pays a fare, goes down into the ship, and the ship's on the water. He goes down into the hull of the ship, and he falls asleep. Goes down, down, down. Quick side note. He's asleep down at the bottom while all the sailors, all the crew, are up there on deck in the middle of a storm and have a tremendous fear of losing their life and perishing. It's an amazing picture. Jonah is asleep to the cries of the lost up on deck. He's asleep to the perishing all around him. You know, that can happen to the church, to people, church people. And I think that's why God has to shake us up every so often. Because we can be in a spiritual coma ourselves, asleep to the cries of the lost, asleep to the perishing all around us. But let's go back to down, down, down. When the serpent tempts Eve and it's tantalizing, you can just, you know, come on, eat that fruit. You know that one fruit, the tree you can't eat from? That one thing you can't have? And of course, the one thing I can't have is the one thing I want. My granddaughter, Willa, whenever I go over, I I know how to get her to come to me. I just go grab one of her toys and I hold it. And I go, Willa, and I show it to her. Whatever she's doing, she's going to come and take that toy from me. Because whatever I've got, that one thing she don't have, she's going to come and get it. And that's what's going on there. It's in human nature. I can't have that. I want it. So he tempts her. And he says, you know what? You eat this fruit, man. Eve, you'll be a god. You'll know good and evil. Stop. She already knew what good was. And she already knew evil. Don't eat from that tree. What? what, what? He's going to educate her on something? She already knows that. Huh? He's promising her. An upward spiral spiritual. You eat that, you become a god. She bites, instantly shame enters in the world, cover up, division, distance in relationships, blame, fear, all the things that go along with it, fighting in the family, the whole shot. It's all in there in Genesis chapter 3. He promised her to go up, 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 but nope, really, it went down, down, down. That's what Satan does. That's what Satan does. He'll promise you upward spiral, but it's always a downward spiral. Now, number three, and this is going to be my favorite point. Number three is God will use others to remind us of who we are. Now, watch this. Verse 6 through 9. The storm is raging. Jonah's asleep down below. The sailors are panicked. He's asleep to the cries of those on deck, to the lost. Verse 6 says, So the captain approached him and said, probably shook him, Jonah, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up! Get up! Call on your God. In other words, pray. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish each man said to his mate, and here's the dialogue of the sailors, Come, let us cast lots, so we, can, so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. Let's figure out which guy in this ship is the problem. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Verse 8, Then they said to him, Now watch these questions. Tell us now. In other words, Time is limited. This ship's about to flip, man. On whose account has this calamity struck us? In other words, whose fault is it? And then they ask this. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They go into Ancestry.com. They want to know All about this guy because they've drawn lots and he's the reason. So we got to find out well, who are you? You know, because remember, he just bought a ticket and got on board. And verse 9 says, He said to them, I'm a Hebrew. And then he adds, I fear the Lord. I don't know about that. If he really feared God, I don't think he would have run. But I fear the Lord, God of heaven. Oh, he's the God of heaven. Who made the sea and the dry land. Oh man, that shook fear in those guys. Because his God is the God of heaven. That's where the storm came from. And it's caused the sea. the God of the sea. And that's what's churning up the waters. And in other words, my God, is, he's running the show here. Oh man, oh man, oh man. Okay. <clears throat> they ask him. I want you to think about this now. They ask him. Who are you and what do you do? Who are you and what do you do? Identity, who are you, which leads to morality, how should I live, what do I do? Identity affects morality, or at least it should. Who am I? should translate into how I live and what do I do. Identity always affects morality. It always will affect it. I can prove it to you. It's a great story. When Jesus gets baptized in Matthew chapter 3, the end of it, the heavens open, the Spirit of God descends as a dove. God speaks from heaven, the Father. So you have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit there. And the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He calls Jesus his son. Identity. That chapter ends right away. Chapter 4. Jesus is led by the spirit of God into the desert to be tempted. While he's there, the devil's language goes like this. He tells Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. Come on, do it. What's he questioning? He's questioning his identity. If you are the Son, then live like this. But Jesus says, no, I'm not going to do that. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's Jesus saying? Listen, I know who I am, my identity is, God the Father told me I am the son. I am his son. Therefore, identity tells me my morality. How then shall I live? How, what do I do in any situation? Hmm. <clears throat> Think of what the crew asked Jonah. Who are you? What are they doing? I think, I think, they're reminding Jonah of his identity, of who he is. He says, I am a Hebrew. In other words, he believes in Yahweh God. See, he knows his identity. But it's not translating into how then shall he live, how he operates, what he does. I think that's where we can miss it. I think that's where the little bit of the chemistry in our faith gets a little bit off. We know, I think we know who we are. We're children of God, followers of Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. And they're all glorious statements and they're all true. But it should translate into how we live and what we do and how we operate. See <coughs> Here's my questions, and and I've got three of them. And I'll say them to you, and I'll say them to me. On that ship, in that storm, it's dark, crazy times. We're living in dark, crazy times. The question is, are those dark, crazy times Causing you and I to run in fear, or even in dislike, or is it causing us to be reminded of who we are? Lights in the midst of darkness. Sons and daughters of God. And if we can remember that, shouldn't it translate into how we live? We are sharers of the good news to a dark, crazy society right now. Next question, similar to that question. He's on a ship. There is a crew there that he's, he's with. They're terrified because of the dark craziness and the times that they're in on that boat. You and I have crews around us. You have crews at, at work. You have maybe... Uh, uh, friendship crews, cruise, family crews—you cruise. have all these crews that you hang out with. And in these dark, crazy times, um, some of them are scared. Some of them—they're on the deck and they're wondering what's going to happen. And you know, don't they need the God that we serve? Oh man! See, Jonah's being reminded. They said, "Who are you?" I'm a Hebrew. See, the question is, who are you? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And because of who I am, that should translate into what I do. I'm called to go and share this gospel because how will they call on God if they have ne- they've never believe in it? And they can't believe if they have not heard and they cannot hear if nobody, if nobody says anything. He's being reminded. See, that ship, that boat he's on is a little microcosm of what's going to happen in Nineveh. The cries of the lost, are you asleep to it? Jim and are you asleep to it? See, they're reminding him who he is. And it's gotta translate into what he does. Last question, like the first two. Could God? Could God? Be using current cultural circumstances to remind us who we are and therefore what we do. We're here to bring the gospel. Here to bring the light. On a ship where people are scared and afraid. But we can't be asleep down below. We can't do that. Verse 10 says this. Then the men became extremely frightened. (laughs) Yeah. And they said to him, How could you do this? How could you do this? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. (laughs) Oh, he's running. He's running. He's running because he forgot who he is. And he has to be reminded by people who are not followers of, of, of Yahweh God on that boat. They're reminding him who he is. <clears throat> Think about this. this. This is my last thought. And it really is my last thought. When Jonah goes down there to Joppa, and purchases that ticket to get on that boat to that ship. They just happened to be going in the opposite direction to Joppa into the wild blue yonder. He gets on as a passenger. What he forgot was that he was a messenger. What if we remembered that? What if I remembered that I'm a messenger? I'm not just a passenger. I'm a messenger of this great gospel of Jesus Christ. And I gotta quit being a passenger only. I need to remember who I am, and therefore, it translates into what I do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Whenever God provides an opportunity, when you sense that thing in your coworker or friend, the troubling spirit in them, because of the way things are, and thing, or maybe things are happening to them, it's your opportunity. And by the way, pray for opportunity regularly to share your faith. And trust that God will give you the words. Trust it. Jonah thought he was only a passenger, he forgot he was a messenger. Jonah, you and I are like an Old Testament character named Esther, who is in a key role at a specific time in history to save a nation. And she's hesitating. And the words, if you've ever heard them before, used from scripture. For such a time as this. She was in the proper position for such a time as this. And so are you. And so am I. And so is Jonah. And so is Jonah. What if? What if God asked you to do something you didn't want to do? Like share the gospel. Hopefully we'll do it. Hopefully we'll do it. Remember who you are. Now, if you're watching today, And you're not a follower of Christ. I remember when I was in your shoes. I just didn't realize how much God loved me. I didn't fully realize how much forgiveness I needed. and I needed it all, and he gave it all. I thought I was fighting against something that would just be worse for me. (laughs) coming to the love of God and being a follower of Christ is the best thing I ever did. But maybe you're not a follower of Christ. And maybe you think to yourself, I've committed so many sins. Well, the Ninevites, they were terrible. You've never done what they've done. And God wants to forgive them and save them. Just like he wants to save you. See, Jesus came for everybody. Not just select people, but everybody. And I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in him because he died for you. He took your sins on that cross and shed his blood to forgive those sins, but you've got to enter into relationship with him. It's not automatic. You've got to enter into relationship. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you'd like to for the very first time, awesome, awesome. Or maybe you backslid and it's time to, um, to get it right with Christ. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you're sitting, wherever you're at. I'm going to say this prayer. I want you to repeat it after me and apply faith. Now, if you're around people, you feel kind of awkward at home, wherever you're at, okay, say it in your head. But afterwards, tell somebody, I said that prayer, I became a follower, or I rededicated my life. So here we go. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to do it slow. After I'm done, then I'm going to pray for you. Repeat after me. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. And I know I'm forgiven of everything. Thank you. Thank you. I give you my life today. I'm going to trust you today. I become a follower of Christ today. You're my God, Savior, and Lord. Now, let me pray uh, for you right where you're at, right where you're at. Just close your eyes, bow your head right where you're at. God. It's a holy moment. It's a holy moment. Because this is your first burning bush experience with God. God loves you, and yet He knows everything about you, and that's something? He knows everything you've ever done. Everything you've never told anyone. And He still wants to forgive you and does. And He still loves you and does. Welcome into the kingdom of God and the family of God. Welcome. You're now a son and a daughter of God. And I pray you continue to tune in. I pray that people around you get you a Bible, get a good modern translation so you can understand. Start in the New Testament with the Gospels and stay there for a while. And I thank God for you. I thank God for you. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, amen. I'm so glad you said that prayer. Now, we're not done yet. We're going to sing a song. And in the song, you'll see the words, Jonah from the deep rose up from his sleep. These are important words, concerning today what we talked about. We cannot be asleep to the cries of the lost up on deck. We've got to wake up. If you need prayer, or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.